Well, that's because we're nerds. It's because it's about time. July 7th, 2021. This is Rare Encounter, Encounter number 52, and riding the Mexican telenovela all the way home. I'm Abel Kirby. And been through the desert on a horse with no name, I'm Cold Acid. And we are back. Like I said, 52. Number 52. Ooh, there goes my phone. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Poor little phone. This is uh, the last episode in season one of Rare Encounter, I think, uh, as you put it, Cold. Yep, it's our it's our last episode of our first year. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I I think a little bit of congratulations is in order. Oh, I think so, so too. You can congratulate me, whatever you feel like it. <laughs> oh boy! So just hold on. To- I got another one. I got another one for this, don't I? I'm pretty sure I do. Hmm. Where is it? Yay! We got this. Good job. Yeah, I got that one already. And yeah. And we've got... Well, where the hell is it? Well, I got one for you. <laughs> oh, there it is. Found it. Wow! Ah, there you go. Here, here's my response to that. Here we go. <laughs> so, to make sure we don't... <laughs> Unleash the mayonnaise? Oh, and... somebody please think of the children! <laughs> to make sure we don't get too far off the rails tonight, I, uh, I decided I was going to get something a little bit less... Uh, uh, potent than uh, than last week, and so I actually brought I probably the the opposite of whatever I was drinking before. This is called Nighty Night Extra, and it's just an herbal tea, and it tastes Nighty Night Extra. Uh, it's called Nighty Night Extra, so it might put me to sleep. I'm not sure yet. I just uh, had a sip, and it tastes like feet. Lovely. Mm. It smells like feet too. I got a haritos. Haritos. Fruit Punch Haritos. Fruit Punch. <laughs> that's not a Mexican accent. Uh, no, we don't do accents on this show. That's uh, that's something everyone knows. By Haritos, Haritos. So there needs to be a cover of that song in in the style of uh, Cold Acid. Yes. Oh, man. No, no, actually, no, <laughs> no. That does not need to exist at all. Oh, brother. Well, we had some... Uh, some things go on over the uh, the weekend. We went through. Hold on, uh, hold on. We got something to do before we start getting into all our stories. Before? Well, what's that? We actually have an executive producer for tonight's episode. What? Yeah. yeah. Right. Some I, somebody was actually crazy enough to send us some money. Oh, jeez. So what? there's my reaction to that. So big thank you to Serpent for sending us. 6333. Woohoo! And he said we didn't need to read his note out, but there is one line from it that I would like to read. And as he as he said in his note, as much as I troll you guys in the chat, I really enjoy your show and wanted to show my appreciation. I'll oh, keep thanks. it up. Thank you, Serpent. Well, I'll let you know, Serpent, that I never let it down. <laughs> Those are facts. Oh uh, man. <sighs> No, this is great. We never get people uh, who uh, who's, uh, contribute to the show in any way except for us. It's like every once in a while. We, so who have we had so far? Um, the first one we Duodenum. got. Duodenum. Duodenum was first. Um, and we had an anonymous. I know that. Yeah. And then we're at Serpent. You sent us butt coins. Yep. That's it. 
It's a small club. Eh. Welcome to the small oh, club. Oh, yeah, there was, a, there was the $10 donation from some guy who may or not be my co-host. Oh, it is a... Uh, may have been testing the, the system there. I don't know. Does that count? We just gave PayPal some free money there. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I was just checking it out. Well, we had uh, some holiday weekend stuff. Um, I had a holiday on Sunday, which was the 4th of July, Independence Day in America. And I think uh, since we last spoke, you also had Canada Day on the 1st. Yeah, it was the day after our last show. You wanna... And I spent I spent that evening on Hog Story, hanging out with uh, Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney. And Hog and all the story, I suppose, huh? Hog and all the DOS. Hog and all the DOS. Yeah. No, that was fun. I uh, I listened to about half of that. I got caught in a rainstorm on the way home and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of got in halfway through the show, but I cut the, the second half of that. It was fun. Well, it was it was a lot of fun being on Rare Encounter. This is Rare Encounter. <laughs> Jesus, what's wrong with me? It was a lot of fun being on Hog Story again. Yeah, what's how many times have you been on there? What, this would be at least the third time, maybe fourth? Oh, man. Then, uh, while we're talking about other podcasts, you want to run? We can do the rundown real fast. Yeah, why the hell not? Yeah, so what do we had? We had Hog Story. Let's see, you were on there, and then you had, uh, I think you called into the last episode also, which is 189, and you had, what was it? The United States of Vespucci Land? Is that what you called it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a great name for, uh, for the U.S. if we were going to rename it. And then the there, was my, there was my uh, asthma jump scare. Yes. <laughs> Uh, boy, that was a good time. That was episode 189, Zing Tong, on uh, Hog Story. And coming up oh. next... Zing Tong. Oh, yeah. Uh, coming up next, they have Starkweather and someone else. I didn't catch the, the name. I think it was either Starkweather's friend or something. I thought it was his or, wife. Oh, okay. I didn't catch the name on there, so <laughs> I just knew it was someone else. Uh, that's coming up, uh, what, tomorrow? going to be up, coming up tomorrow. Uh, then we had Grumpy yeah, Old Ben's, uh, episode 174, Cox, 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 with All uh, those ben cocks. Rose. All those cocks. Ben Rose talking about cocks again. You know, what, what can we do with him? Uh, though he's covering the story of uh, Sony versus Cox Cable, uh, this uh, this uh, thing that's unwrapping in the courts. And uh, I, I couldn't catch the whole episode. It, I, I was very piecemeal this week. Um, but I, I ducked in and out, and I saw in their notes something that I that I didn't catch on the show when I was listening to it, which was the uh, Audacity is now owned by the same company that owns Ultimate Guitar. Yep, Muse Group. Uh, so the, there's already a, there's already a few forks out there to keep things away from them. Uh, there's one guy who I posted I posted during the show a link to this GitHub repo. Yep. Where some guy is going to be going forward and just like more or less maintaining a patch set that keeps all the telemetry and other bullshit out. Yep. But there's also Sneedacity, which is brought to you by those wonderful people at 4chan's <laughs> technology board slash G. Boy. So if you want to run software developed by 4chan, uh, you, can, uh, you can go check that out. Now, I, I've we've, always... We've done that. Run software developed by Fortune. Oh yeah, I guess we have, yeah. huh? Wait a minute. In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. There's been some stuff on there that's become useful over the years. Um, I've always been of the opinion that Audacity is actually garbage. 
and is a subpar tool even compared to other stuff that you can get. Um, and, yeah, but uh, that's because you're that's because you're like some sort of like audio weenie nah, purist just, type. I am just a uh, guy trying to make it through in this topsy turvy world of audio. That's all I'm trying to do. Well, if voice if Windows Voice Recorder allowed me to slice and convert audio. I'd use that because it's right there. I mean, like, that's all I need to do. I don't need any fancy-ass tools. Audacity does just fine. Hmm. Yeah, well, now it's tracking you. Um, the... I'm going to switch to Sneed. <laughs> switch to Sneed. Maybe maybe the Sneed uh, will let you edit a, edit some uh, waveforms without pulling your hair out, because that's what happens when I try and edit waveforms in Audacity. Um, coming up after the show, we've got abs in a six Again, pack. I don't bother trying to. I don't bother trying to add it wave, edit waveforms. I'm mostly just trimming out silences and maybe doing a, maybe doing like a normalization over over a stretch of audio just so that it's not so quiet at points. Yeah. Coming up next, uh, after our show, we've got uh, Absinthe Six Pack is recording live again. They'll, they'll have a stream out at 8.30 p.m., so a little bit after we finish up. And uh, it sounds like Sir Seat Sitter's going to have Rob Dew on, I, I think for the second time? Who? This guy named Rob Dew. He's, a, he's on NAS. Um, I'm trying to remember what his background is, but he's, he's... I'm trying to remember if he was the guy who worked at InfoWars or if he was someone else. Um, but yeah. uh, I think he's been on there before, if, I'm, if I have the... Uh, the uh, uh, the name right in my head. So we're, we're going to check that out and see if it's who I think it is. I could be completely wrong. I wasn't paying that much attention. Um, and that's what's uh, cooking. That's what's cracking in the podcast world. <laughs> At least our little Well, there uh, should be some Nick tonight, even if he's not going to be on the NA stream. Oh, yeah. I, I, I lost my visibility into Nick the Rat, like I said. I can't tell you what he's up to. I've completely yeah. lost. He's so dark. The dark sewer is so dark, I can't see what's going on anymore. Yeah, it's terrible. And then uh, Maps with Matt. We're still waiting on that episode five. <laughs> yeah. I won't state the number of uh, days, though. That's uh, we'll give I him see a you in the weeks. chat room, Sir Matthew. Where's episode five? Mm. <sighs> well, we had some stuff going on uh, Fourth of July. I took a walk outside, uh, Independence Day. Um, in yeah. I, uh, I, right at dusk, I took a walk around the neighborhood, and I was just watching the bootleg fireworks going off. All kinds of crazy shit was going down. There was no official fireworks show that I saw, um, but I saw this fantastic uh, unofficial fireworks show, which is completely uh, done in the uh, in the neighborhood. It was just the hood, you know, shooting stuff off. That was a lot of fun. Like big explosions, too close to houses, that kind of thing. Ah, it was great. Yeah. I miss being able to do fireworks. When I was a kid, we had this nice house, big property, and we'd actually have, like, the neighbors would come over and Dad would put on this uh, fireworks show in the backyard. That's, if I tried doing something no. like that on this property, I'd probably set three houses on fire. What you can do is get a record that has fireworks sounds, and you can put that on instead and just listen to it. It's no fun without the without the without the visuals. As I need well. the smell of sulfur. It's the only thing that gets me hot. Yeah, the smell too. You need you really do need the smell and the sounds and the visuals. The car alarms, the dogs barking. It's the whole shebang. Yeah, I mean, how else can you really celebrate the birth of your nation without the whole neighborhood going riotous, right? 
Well, we had uh, we had some uh, misfiring fireworks down at Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, I don't know if yeah, this made some dude blew his load in the middle of the day. Yeah, they uh, they had a premature explosion on the fourth. They were gonna have so Ocean City. We've mentioned on the show before. Um, I, I mention a lot of places in Maryland just because I'm learning about them. And so Ocean City's way down on the other corner of the state, far away from where I am. But uh, but they had a big firework show they were going to do out in, I think, in the Chesapeake Bay. No, it must have been on the Atlantic side. So it's the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, the fireworks all went off. And they, you know, this is the middle of the day. <laughs> but they all went off at the same time on the ground before they got them off the, uh, the beach and onto the uh, dock. So it was a premature uh, explosion there. Like I said, someone blew their load. Yeah. it uh, Like, they all went off at once. It's like that scene in The Naked Gun where the fireworks factory blows yeah, up. Yeah, like nothing that. to see here. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> so, I don't know. It could have been sabotaged. It could have been just someone doing something stupid. But uh, what? maybe there's a clue in this next story. Uh, kind of a little bit down the, the way from that. It turns out there's some beavers attacking people. They've become vicious. Maybe even yeah, yeah, capable um, of sabotage. Angry beaver is a thing. Yeah. And this is one angry beaver. This is uh, yeah. this is a beaver that's biting back. Uh, and this was uh, this was actually from a little bit before. This was a story from June that I got on Southern Maryland News. And it was uh, two adult females injured after beaver attack in Bushwood. I love I love that it's a beaver attack and that's in Bushwood. And, yeah, the beaver is in Bushwood. And so they had. Uh, yeah. There's no video of the attack. There's a there's a stock photo of a beaver they had in the article, but they did have the 911 audio. And so I went and, and pulled that so we can listen to that. White Snake Road for the beaver attack at 11:55. Ambulance 299. 299 attack one. Yeah. So the, the, the beaver attack. That's all we beaver got. Beaver attack it. in Bushwood. Yep. Oh my! How lewd. Yeah, and so they had two women were walking down a private beach, and they turned around, and they saw what they thought was a small dog coming towards them. They continued walking, but then the animal attacked them from behind. Those sneaky beavers. Attacked them in the behind. Yeah, giggity, from giggity. behind. <laughs> Those big chompers biting into their legs, I think, is what happened. It was an animal attack. It got both of them. Yeah, with injuries to yeah. their arms and legs. That was a nasty beaver. Yeah, you, beaver bites are really bad because they got those huge fucking teeth that are designed to, like, slice through fucking wood. Yeah. Go, going through, like, going through flesh, that is nothing for those beaver teeth. Don't bite the beaver, let the beaver bite you. Wait, that's backwards. Yeah, don't uh, let the beaver bite you. Ah, oh boy. Well, that's all that's going on in Maryland. Vagina dentata is not a cool thing. No. That's all that's going on in Maryland right now uh, that, I, that I ought to bring up anyway. There's local stories no one cares about. What do you got going on up there in Carnadar? Carnadar? Oh, not much to talk about up here in Carnadar. At least nothing that isn't, like, political bullshit. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of that How about on. we take a trip across the, across the Pacific? Okay. So I came across this, uh, I came across this article on Atlas Obscura. You ever read that site? Yeah, I've seen some uh, articles on there. I don't usually go to it, but I've seen stuff on it that was interesting. So, yeah, I'm yeah, aware of so it. So, this is this is like ghost houses. As as more of the population ages and more of the younger people move into the cities, a lot of places in Japan are becoming 
more or less ghost towns and even the places that aren't turning into ghost towns are full of these ghost houses where the owners are have moved away and they're still some of them are still paying the property taxes so they still have title to the property and some like the people whoever whoever is like the heir of the previous owner they have no idea and so there's all these houses that are just standing around derelict in Japan. Yeah. So this like... article actually has some has some neat photos. I I put one of them in the show notes of these houses that are abandoned and slowly falling apart. Yeah. It's a pretty good um I don't know what you call it. It's not like stock photos, but it's like that urban exploration style imagery where it's like, here's a place where no one goes anymore. Here's some photos of, of what goes on where no, when no one's around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely has that sort of vibe. And I brought up UER in the past, haven't I? Stuck that into the show notes. Yeah. Urban the, exploration resource. The that site that has like all the photos of like all these abandoned places that people have gone through. Yeah. We ran a story on that once. Uh, yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> Not that I remember well, I, anything. I brought it up. I brought it up more recently. I don't. Maybe that was on. Uh, maybe that was on. Uh, on Hog Story, or maybe during uh, during Grumpy Old Ben's, just like putting it into the putting into the troll room while the show's going on. Hmm. But yeah, these this sort of thing's pretty neat, and like some of these some of these rural houses, they're they're like returning to nature you see like grasses growing on the roofs and stuff uh, it's like a miyazaki film it says as a result let's see homes increasingly sit abandoned becoming overgrown and run down in the process government statistics as of 2018 consider 13 points 13.6 percent of properties in the country to be ghost houses that's a lot yeah. wow part of, part of it too is like this is something that's expected to get worse before it gets better because one thing is a lot of a lot of the municipalities don't have the spare cash to tear down ones that uh, that like there's no more there's no more title to and want to be redeveloped right and then and then there's other cases where like well not other cases but there's also the issue of Japan's decreasing population as as like. The current generations grow older and people are having fewer kids there. And Japan is not not the friendliest place to go for immigration purposes. Yeah. And so they're not really they're not really gaining population through that method either. Right? The same kind of things going on in Baltimore. This is a story I scrapped because I thought it wasn't a I didn't know how to lead into it or out of it, but now that you brought this up, I'm going to bring this one back, which was the same thing's happening in Baltimore. We have abandoned houses, vacant homes all over the city, um, and I, it's like 15,000 properties are, are what the total is. Um, wow. Uh, and so there's people who live next to them, and they can't figure out who the owner is, and so there's a the city program, what the story was actually about, I guess I'll, I guess I'll put a, a link to that in the... In the show notes there or in the the chat room i'm sorry it's a baltimore sun link so i'm sorry if it's a paywall bullshit thing but they had a um program where they're trying to put up qr codes on each of the doors so that if you live near it you could find out you know what who has this property if something's wrong with it who do i complain to that kind of thing yeah 
And so, but just the sheer number of these things, they're trying to either get the city to uh, to buy them and tear them down, or or force the people who own these basically vacant or um, I guess abandoned is the right word, but condemned is what I'm looking for. You know, you you can't go inside it because they're da- actually dangerous uh, buildings all over the place. And just a l- little while ago, I think it was last uh, summer, we did a story about a building collapse in. Uh, in Baltimore, where just an old building just fell down, uh, not unlike the one in Miami. Only this was, I think, two or three stories tall. You know, but it, yeah, it's going on there. It's Baltimore is like a little microcosm of the uh, of the world. It's you see all the problems uh, all over the place. You know, in uh, you got Florida, buildings falling over, Japan, abandoned houses. You know, and it's like it's all collected into one place, and they call it Baltimore. But I wonder if I wonder if the issues with Baltimore I don't think the issues with Baltimore's abandoned homes would be the same as in Japan. In Japan a lot of it seems to be both about uh both about the aging population and about the urban like flight into the urban places. Right? Not urban flight, usually when you hear that it's like people fleeing the cities and in Japan, it's more like people fleeing to the cities from the countryside, yeah. right? Whereas Baltimore is already a developed place, and America doesn't have the same sort of like population contraction that you get in Japan, hmm. especially especially with like uh, folks like Joe Biden telling everybody to come, come. Joe Biden said, "Come." I'm going to come. And most of them come with a phone number, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, that was fun. It's a, there's the little dip into, I guess, uh, Asian news and Baltimore news. Uh, what else do we got? Housing news. Housing news. There we go. It's <laughs> reporting on the housing situation in the world. Speaking of which, just, uh, just a bit of a warning, but expect another subprime co- uh, mortgage crisis in the next... 10 years yeah you heard it here first well we've been hearing this uh, a lot lately i've been seeing this on a couple different places where they they think we're gonna have the repeat of uh of a couple years ago 10 years well, ago it's because it's because like biden and others in his administration are already saying hey the banks should be doing more to let poor people buy their own homes and well, you know how that works, right? Well, what, what they're not—they're not really saying that. They're saying we should do more to make sure poor people take loans. Uh, b- buying homes Same is just difference. A, 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 a means to an end, which is to get more people in debt. I think is what they yeah, want. Yeah, and the end result—the end result of that, of course, is going to be like at the like the subprime mortgage crisis in two thousand eight. Yeah. Now, I don't like Karl Marx, but there is something he said oh. that really goes well with this okay history repeats itself first is tragedy second as farce yep and you know the worst part of that last mortgage the subprime mortgage crisis is you know what ultimately came out of that was tim pool and we don't need that to happen again yeah we don't need we don't need that to happen again no more beanie boys no more beanie boys thank you oh man all right, on to happier news. Happier news. What? Those are fa- those are facts. There's my double Fletcher. That's what I call a double Fletcher. I hear our sad little stuck boat is on the move again. Oh yeah. Um, the uh, I didn't hear this played up much, but it was the Ever Given. Um, that boat that was in the Suez Canal, and uh, 
I got the date here. I just got to look it up. Oh, so it was March 23rd. It got stuck and it was stuck for like six days. And uh, ever since then, it was being held, uh, I believe, by the Egyptian government. And they were negotiating with, uh, it was Evergreen was the shipping company, uh, right? I'm not sure. I, I, I think, think Evergreen is more is more like a, uh, like, they don't actually own the ships. They just yeah. operate them. It, it was like a, the boat was owned by someone, and it was operated by someone else. It was carrying cargo, cargo owned by someone else. And who knows who the people on the boat actually really worked for anyway. But the uh, the bottom line is they were trying to get, Egypt was trying to get a billion, in, or I suppose the Suez Canal Authority, which I think is the Egyptian government, was trying to get a billion dollars in damages out of it. And uh, for the last number of months, the wheels have been spinning in the back room. Meanwhile, this whole freighter covered in cargo containers can't move. It's it's impounded. And they finally got a deal. Uh, they won't say the details of the deal, but we do know that the Ever Given is underway. And it's going to uh, deliver its cargo finally to, uh, I think the first place is going is the Netherlands and then the UK. Or maybe it might be a different order. But. Netherlands first for sure. It's on. It's it's sailing for the Netherlands right now. Oh. So I've got the own. I've got the own and operation info right here out of a out of an article I got through MSN News. Oh yeah. So the Ever Given is owned by Shoei Kissin Kaisha, a Japanese company, but it flies a, ja a Panama flag. A Taiwanese company, Evergreen Marine, operates the ship, which is managed by a German outfit. Yeah, yeah. Several of the crew, who are all Indian, were allowed to leave in recent <laughs> months, but most remain on board. My God, it's like a Sesame Street episode. It, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's fucking cosmopolitan, man. Uh, it's everyone's got a piece of this shame. Damn. Yeah. Man. Speaking of things that were stuck and are now underway again, uh, we had some uh, some anime that started up again. Yep. I had my uh, Mexican, as I'm now calling it, the Mexican telenove telenovela, uh, which is what I'm calling uh, Hikarashi, just based on the, the way the season started. It's been... Um, Ay caramba. Ay caramba. <laughs> it's been interesting. Uh, the, the original Hikarashi anime was kind of a slow burn... That's what most people say. It's a, it was a slow burn psychological horror. And uh, in the original sense, that was the Studio Dean version back in 2005 or 7 or whenever it came out. And this one is, you know, this last season that, that I watched was kind of took it in a different direction. There's a little more action. It's a little more in your face. It's a little more uh, explicit, too. Like, they have a lot more gore and stuff they'll show on screen. And the... Uh, I guess part two of the new season, you know, this is the, this is, they took the license away from Studio Dean, which was always kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a derpy studio. They did a couple of shows they never <laughs> cared for, but uh, they gave it to, um, oh God, what was his name? Uh, Passion. And they have been knocking it out of the park. They're one of my favorite current uh, animators right now, because they've, they've done a couple really good ones in a row. So uh, the reason I'm calling it the Mexican telenovela is because the the storyline they started off with is it's like backstory in the home life of one of these uh, characters, this girl. And it's like her dad was divorced and you find out there's some weird, some some uh, some old wounds with that. And anyway, uh, she follows him around one day and finds out that he's meeting up with a, a basically a hooker. And who has her name? So he's he's found a a, a prostitute with the, with his daughter's name, and he's spending all of their savings on her. It's like okay, this is Mexican telenovela. Yeah, but it's it's fun. It's interesting, and it's got you know the music swell when she realizes what's going on. And 
And so the the thing that Higurashi has that telenovelas don't is that this will end in uh, bloody death and people being stabbed with cleavers. So that's uh, yeah. that's the way it always goes. So I'm looking forward to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you know this thing about uh, this thing about like seeing the prostitute. You know what that reminds me about? Uh, uh, a sh another show that Passiona did uh, last year that <laughs> uh, that Isekai Whorehouse show. Yeah. Did you ever catch that one? That was um, uh, the Interspecies Reviewers show. I mentioned that on yeah. I mentioned it on here once or twice. I yeah, I did, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, that's a fun I one. I really should. It's the reason that you should watch it is because it was dropped by was it Funimation licensed it, and after I think two episodes, they decided they weren't going to dub it anymore, and they decided, yeah, this is too radioactive. We don't want to touch it because it had too much sex in it. So, and it wasn't um, it, it it was politically incorrect. The whole show, the concept of the show, is very politically incorrect, and so it's so of it's course Funimation watch. dropped it, and so Funimation dropped it because that's who they. It, are. it was it was too much. It was too much that their SJW staff could not find any way to like wokeify it at all. It is a show entirely about seeing hookers and reviewing them. <laughs> And giving them scores, so they're score they're rating women. And the uh, opening song is in the style of uh, the uh, YMCA guys, <laughs> but it's you know young men. Yeah, it's it's it has that uh, it has that same thing. The village people is what I was reaching for. Yeah, yeah. That was the first one show that put them on my radar, and I've never turned back. They've uh, they've been great. They actually did a couple other shows that I've seen in the past. Oh yeah, they, they did. Uh, uh, Six Braves, I think it was called in English. Broken No Yusha. Yeah, I didn't watch they it. They also did Rail Wars. I remember that one, but I didn't watch it. But I, I remember it existing. Yeah, I didn't watch Rail Wars myself, but I did watch Broken No Yusha. Yeah. Who did the um, the Peter Grill show? I'm trying to remember who. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm looking that up right now because for some reason it I wasn't Passione was though. Anime series was oh it was Wolfsbane. That yeah, was okay. another studio I didn't really recognize. Yeah. Hey, when's that going to get a season two? <laughs> that was fun. That was a romp. <laughs> what about you? That was I, a lot of fun, yeah. I think one of your shows aired uh, recently. Did you catch it yet? I caught I caught uh, one, one of them, yeah. It was uh, Dragon Maid? No, I caught the... I caught... I don't, I don't even know if I had that downloaded yet, but I got... Uh, I got the first episode of what was it? Uh, damn, I can't remember its name ah, now. Oh you had no. to you had to ask me, and it broke my brain. All right, well, Thanks. we'll we'll play one of these. Meanwhile, on the moon. Unleash the mayonnaise! <laughs> Get us through that. no remake. There you go. There we go. And how was that? Uh, very interesting. Not what I had actually. Not what I had expected. Hmm. And can you remind me of the premise of this? Because I don't remember any of it. Okay, so wage slave who who like loses loses his job because the company he was working at went under. He got mm -hmm. a job at this game company that he was a fan of and was working with these creators that he is a big fan of. Okay. Until that project got cancelled, and he ended up unemployed, he was, and then he ended up back in time, ten years before, oh, when yeah. he was just finishing high school, and 
changed a, changed a decision so that instead of going and taking economics in a regular university, he went for he went for a creative program at an arts university instead, and now he's he's like like redo redoing his yeah. redoing his life that this is, way. This is like the fantasy stuff that plays out. There's been you know a gazillion books and movies that have all taken this concept. Where what if you could redo your life? You get to go back and do it over, do the last ten years and see what happened. And, you know, it's uh, some of them yeah. do it better than others. And and how's this take? Is it gritty? Is it a lot of unexpected twists, or is he kind of badassing his way through uh, through art school? It's it's more slice of lifey. It feels like oh, so he so he he said oh I've got a go chance to uh, to just go be boring for a while. No, it's it's still nice. Uh, slice of lifey. It's like you know, you know, it's he's having a nice college life, sharing a uh, sharing a share house with uh, the actual the actual creators that he was a a fan of. Yeah. Although he's only just found out one of them is is one of those <laughs> creators, and one of his other classmates was his boss from that company where he worked for a bit until the project was canceled. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So it's different. It's a different take. It sounds like a milder take than what some other places have done where it's, you know, like balls to the wall, change everything. Yeah, it's not something like re-life. Yeah. Well, there's some uh, some other new stuff coming out. Um, did you see the uh, the news from Giznep? From Giznep Plus? Giznep. Giznep Plus? As a new Star uh, Wars, uh, yeah, yep, Star Wars Visions or the Animatrix Two, Star Wars Boogaloo. Yeah. Now there's no video that I could find. I found um, some stupid promotional material where it was basically uh, people who don't know what they're talking about, or they just like they sound dumb talking about it, uh, which is what we do. So I can't, I can't uh, be too mad about that. But they had, uh, you know, some concept art, and it was just basically a talking head in front of the concept art. But so some of there the... is a special look video on the Star Wars website for Star Wars Visions, and the article that I found it in is actually covering that presentation that you're talking about from the yeah from the Anime Expo Light online. Uh, yeah convention. this um this is the video i was talking about if you play through it it's basically some concept art and people talking in front of the concept art oh say, okay this so is how great it is video. yeah there's no video of what's going on it's just like hey here's some character sketches and uh so there actually there actually is there actually is at light.animeexpo.org the actual the actual panel that they're presenting there but you have to pay to see it yeah well i'm not gonna pay to see it i don't know i could there's one or two things i'd be interested to see you know one or two sections which would be excuse me the studio trigger one uh which they had the dark side twins two. Uh, the, well they did two of them the one that that has the uh the dark side twins on it so the twins yeah and so you know it's it looked fun I'd, I'd want to see that and the some of the other ones i was i don't know the concepts sound interesting, I guess, but they, you know, Disney is not, 
they made a, a point saying that, oh, there's full creative control and they don't care about lore or anything like that. And so, yeah, we, we completely gave uh, we gave all these studios a uh, a chance to do what they've always wanted with Star Wars. And you just know that that's not true. That's what they're saying to try and get the fans in the right mood. But, you know, the yeah. these studios know what an American audience wants and they or they think they know what an American audience wants. So that's what they're going to play to. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure production IG actually participated in the Animatrix, so oh, they yeah. would know. Yeah, and production IG has always done some, uh, you know, Western stuff. They keep getting tapped to do like uh, Adult Swim kinds of anime, and uh, they they're they're a, an international house, unlike some of these other ones where they're you know they're, it's an anime company that really just only makes anime for Japan. Production IG is one of these premier ones that you see pop up all over the place. Yeah, them of. Uh trigger as well i mean yeah well tr I mean, trigger has a lot of west appear uh, appeal yeah i mean like i mean like their biggest their biggest hit was because of all the people on this side of the ocean who went nuts when they saw when they saw like uh what was it the one with the the one with the echo the, uh, the little witch. little witch academia little witch academia yeah, yeah. That was fun. And of course, my favorite one, which I always thought they should have put on uh, Adult Swim, was Inferno Cop. Yes, Inferno Cop as well. That was <laughs> that was definitely that was definitely feeling the American vibes. <laughs> that there. was that was made for like an Adult Swim little segment, you know, with uh, it, it, it's it's totally uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force kind of material where they have the it's the cop. It's the cop whose head is a flaming skull and the, everything's animated like it's, you know, flash, like everything's uh, stock photos almost flipping around. And, uh, you know, it's the the fight underwater with the guy and he shoots him and he goes, ha ha, I'm, I'm invincible to bullets. He goes, yes, so am I. And the bullet just keeps bouncing back and forth between, you know, these stupid gags. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, that's a great, great bit. The, uh, w what was the total? Let me go back to that link that we put up for, uh, Giznap. Nine of them. Yeah, for Star Wars. What are you, the hell? I'm clicking on someone else's link, not yours. Starwars.com. Here we go. That's what I want. The, uh, let me run down the studios. Um, com Kamikaze. Oh, I had them all Doga. in front of me. Oh, why don't you run them down then? I'm trying to yeah. find it. Kamikaze Doga doing The Duel. Gino Studio, part of Twin Engine, doing Lop and Oko. Studio Colorido, also part of Twin Engine. Tatooine Rhapsody. Is this the real life? Is yeah. That that's the first thing that came to mind, like Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. but on Tatooine. Mama just killed a man. That kind of shit. No, just yeah. killed a hut. Just killed a hut. <laughs> Pizza <laughs> the hut is gonna send out for you. Trigger did the twins and the elder. Yep. So those are their two. Kinema Citrus, the village bride. Yep. Science Saru, which is not a studio I've actually heard of, I think, did two as well. Akakiri and Toby, or T0B1. Yeah. I'm looking And at of course, production IG with the ninth Jedi. The, um, Kinema Citrus did, um, some of the Maiden Abyss stuff, which I still think is is a uh, pretty good series. Yeah, I've heard of them. It's Science Saru that I haven't heard of. Yeah, Science Saru. I don't know. Let me uh, pop this open. Let's find out. Um, they worked on Adventure Time. 
the American huh. show. Hmm. Interesting. Star That's Wars, not Star exactly Wars. anime, is it? Yeah, I'm looking. Animated series. They got adventure stuff. Oh, Space Dandy. I thought that was Sunrise, okay, though. So the... Oh, this is... This is... Uh, this stinks. I could have sworn that was a Sunrise show. Space Dandy, I should say. Well, now you know. Well, now I know, and knowing is half the battle. Those are facts. G.I. Joe! <laughs> oh, man. What else do we got on the rundown? What do you got? You got some stories, right, Cold? Yeah, but before that, I mean, I just want to mention a manga that I've been reading quite a bit of, and it it has an anime adaption. Uh, Nami yo Kitikure. Yeah. Or known as known in English as Wave. Listen to me. And this is this has actually been really tickling my fancy for a couple of reasons, because it's about it's about like these people who work at a radio station oh, boy. in Hokkaido. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like it's an uh, antenna engineer yelling, Wave, listen to me! You know, he's trying to make the thing work. Okay, so the main the main character is this mid, mid to late 20s woman who, until she started with her own radio station after drunk, after drunk rambling at a director at this radio station, <laughs> MRS, uh, she is a waitress at a curry restaurant okay and this curry restaurant this curry restaurant is run by a very handsy gay guy with a european style mustache okay he's like trying he's trying to look like some sort of like french or italian dandy i guess and just all these weird weird characters and weird situations they get into are all around all around this crazy a uh, curry waitress, hmm. Minari Koda. Is she on the radio, on a radio show in the manga? Yeah, yeah. Because so, how it starts off is like she she was drunkenly rambling at this guy, this like fifty something guy in a bar, and somehow somehow she gave him her contact info. Yep. And he was also he was also recording their conversation. Oh, as you do. He yeah he played he played it part or part of it on the radio <laughs> while she was working. And just coincidentally, that curry restaurant has their radio always on this particular station. Hmm. So she heard it while working, bolted out of the place, and like threw threw a shit fit. At, like not in the booth but but like you know on the other side of the glass yeah right and then she was more or less forced to go in into the booth and say some things there live and from there she ended up with like a 3:20 in the morning once a week uh, radio show the overnight sensation and it just go it just goes weird from there and it's it's actually a lot of fun, both the anime and the manga. And there have been some weird stuff that hasn't been that wasn't adapted in the anime, at least, or probably won't unless they one day come out with a second season, which includes like this uh, this cult run by an ex radio guy. Um, <laughs> oh, the an earthquake in Sapporo, and all sorts of other weird things like. There's this one there's this one girl who she's an AD, right? Assistant director, and she keeps seeming to get into trouble in one way or another. Not really out of her out of like 
her own efforts, but like bad things seem to just happen to her. And meanwhile, she's so nice and pure that uh, Minara is like, I want to become a man and because she's just like so infatuated. Well, they, uh, I think Clean Feet dropped you right there, so we don't know what she wanted to do. We'll li- maybe we'll leave it to the listeners' imaginations. Oh, fucking Clean Feet. Yeah, dropped you right at the money shot. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, well. We're not going to bother dubbing back that back over. Yeah, you figure you figure it out, <laughs> listeners. You figure it out. If you weren't listening live, or actually, even if you were even listening if you live, were. If, yeah, it would have still cut out on you. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, the, only, the only other thing I uh, I watched was I watched uh, that movie <laughs> Darren O'Neill mentioned, Swingers. So while we were talking last week, uh, it, it, uh, we had Darren O'Neill. Thanks again, Darren O'Neill, for, for coming on our show. And uh, somehow it came up. I don't know. Swingers came up, the movie. And uh, someone posted a link to that to a, to a pirate copy in the chat. So I downloaded it and watched it. And uh, I'd never seen the movie, <laughs> and it was pretty damn good. Um, yeah. It was. Hey, it had Ron Livingston in it. Yeah. It, the, the cast was good. You know, the the mood was good. It's about uh, basically a bunch of young... Uh, they're adults, I should say. You know, 20... Tw- guys in their 20s, most of them want to be actors, you know, hanging out in L.A., going to parties. But it all takes place in... Uh, I suppose it takes place in the early 90s. Uh, just based on some of the, like, the Sega Genesis that they play on. So, that's some yeah, funny that scenes. Yeah, that definitely sounds early 90s. Yeah, there's some funny scenes, some, like, anxious scenes. I don't know, it's a, it's a solid movie. It's got some meta value, too. You know, they go into a, the, the, there's a part right at the beginning of the movie where they go into uh, Vegas and they're shooting the movie as takes place in a casino. And then later in the movie, they're sitting around the table bitching about, why would you ever film in a casino? My God, that must be terrible. There, uh, you know, so there's a little bit of that going on. So it's it's a it's a film about actors and about uh, some of the shit that was allegedly going on. I don't know how truthful it really is, but you know, it, it's uh, it's almost like a love letter to that lifestyle and and uh, a little bit of uh, I don't know. It's 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 a good movie. I'll just leave it at that. All right. So where are we moving to next? We are what, moving to what, what can we spin to? Oh. Free spin. That's what. Free spin. Free spin. Indeed. So what's uh what's free spin? So free spin is this demo that somebody created for the Commodore fifteen forty one disk drive, not the Commodore sixty four. Although you would need one to bootstrap the demo, mm-hmm. but the disk drive itself. And there's even instructions on how to use the serial bus that the that the disk drive connects to. To connect straight to an actual monitor for playing the demo. Demo for Commodore 64. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture you have in the notes, and it's just, uh, I don't know. Some of this stuff I've never gotten into the idea of, like, retro computing's not my, my thing the way it's in your thing. What was that? No, I was about to play, like, there's a video of, of it being demonstrated, but it looks like it's acting... There's a reason why it wasn't just clipped onto the screen itself. There's actually a dude who's talking about it first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the first. This is the first. Uh, this is for the first demo for the disk drive itself. Never mind the. Never mind a computer. But then again, the 1541 and actually all those Commodore disk drives for the 8-bit computers were essentially computers in and of themselves. So what are you going to do with this? Uh free spin 
Well, like, what can you do? What what kind of demo uh, discs are available? So it's just it's just a it's just a graphics demo, right? Like you know how you know how there's like intros and crack tros and stuff, right? Oh yeah. So like, demo scene, okay. Like the demo scene, right? How, do these things called demos where they have like cool graphic and audio effects going on? In the case of in the case of Freespin, it's purely graphics because I mean. There's no connect. There's no connecting the sound with this. Yeah, right to the monitor. It's just. It's just to the. Uh, honestly, it's just to the yellow video plug. In other words, it's just Luma, right? No Chroma. Yeah, and so it actually uses the motor in the floppy drive to uh, to make some sound. Is that what I'm reading here? Video it is generated might, through yeah. a serial bus. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So they're they're yeah. uh, creating the video using a uh, a special cord they put together to get the serial signal out of this thing and uh, plug it into a into a uh, I guess a oh, you composite. don't need, you don't even need a you don't even need a special cord some alligator clips some thin copper wire and the resistor right and you can put it all together yourself so we call it, that's we have a name for that it's called a special cord <laughs> a cord implies that it's something that's actually like put together wow you know it could be anything you just need to wire it up right so that's kind of cool and some of these pictures look like what is this like a uh, uh they got a checkerboard and they're going to distort it as it uh i i suppose it's what it looks like they're going to do is uh yeah distort it as it uh scrolls across the screen yeah that's well, cool. not so much not so much distort. i think it's actually supposed to be like a rolling tube effect with this checkerboard on it yeah and like there's a few other different graphic like components to the demo. Yeah. As well it, by the look of things. I, I see it. It's like the um I don't know what you call it, like affine mapping or something like that. It's like it's like they're they've got a pattern, they're doing linear algebra on it really fast, is what's really going yeah. on here. <laughs> it says sixteen effects. Yeah, and fun. the and the the page for it shows five of them. Well speaking of things that are that are spinning uh, I think we had another story about spinning today. Did you we brought, now? I think you brought it. It was in your notes, I think. I certainly don't know anything about it. This no, was... I think that was it for spinning, but I do have some other interesting things that I brought up. But I thought first... What, uh, what about the Earth's rotation? bring us a snack. I th what about the Earth's hmm? rotation? Oh, yes, that does that, spin. <laughs> that's what I was getting at. Oh, you want me to do that now? Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I, I wanted to find out what that is, because this is a story I don't know anything about. Uh, I saw it in your notes. You should, you should, being being like all into astronomy and stuff, because this really touches into that. Well, I didn't, uh, I saw a Wikipedia article, and that's all I saw for the story. So what's going on? Okay, so this started off, I was, I was starting off with like an investigation about leap seconds. Okay. And, and like, because one of the thing, one of the things that annoys me is that, is that like computer clocks do not take that into account because everything is based on UTC. It's it's not based on it's not based on like atomic time. It's based on what we do where we occasionally add a leap second, but we don't actually track that in the computers. Yep. And I found out going through this like why like I I began asking, okay, so why do we have leap seconds in the first place? Mhm. Mm and it turns out the the big reason for that is that the speed of Earth rotating around its own axis is not constant. 
nor is the change in it even constant, right? We aren't, it's actually kind of, it's actually kind of random. So sometimes, sometimes a day is part of a millisecond short. Sometimes it's, it's like almost two milliseconds long mm. or longer, right? So a day, a day is defined as 84,600 seconds, right? I mean that's 24 24 hours times 60 minutes times 60 seconds. Yeah. But it but that's not actually how it how it works out. And in fact, in fact, the different the difference between between that and actual atomic like atomic seconds is there's actually like more difference than just number of milliseconds. It can actually it can actually vary more than that. But what we go by, right? Like there's the side real day, right? You know, and that's based on originally like the sun. The sun is directly above at noon every day, and that's how we define like the length of the day. Yeah, if if right? you're at, back uh... in the time, and now now they're defining it instead of instead of the sun, a number of very distant stellar objects being in certain places at the same time of the day at a certain location on Earth. Right. right? So they're star tracking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and so by using that and comparing against like atomic time, you see that the actual the actual length of the day varies. It's it's almost never it's almost never exactly eighty four thousand six hundred seconds. It it wobbles back and forth. And of the pa- out of the past six decades, since 1960, mm-hmm. 2020 was the sh- fastest year on record in terms of in terms of length of day. Yeah. And this year, this year is expected even faster, and they're they're expecting that the average the average like the mean day is like m- going to be more than 0.2 milliseconds short. Mm. And so, the, just because the Earth is spinning faster, that doesn't mean, uh, say, the equinoxes are are happening any sooner or later. It's, no, because it's, because, this, it's because independent. This is talk, yeah, this is yeah, this is talking about the Earth spinning on its on its axis. This isn't talking about the Earth's. Uh, uh, so I forget the word, but it's rotation around the sun, right? It's it's orbit. no, not angular. It yeah, it's this isn't anything to do with the orbit, right? And that's what affects like. That and the and the planet's axial tilt determine the seasons and when the equinoxes and solstices are. Interesting. Do they cite any of the causes for this variation? Because I'm looking at this chart that's on Wikipedia, and it looks like there's there is some. Um, so any it anything looks a little cyclical. Yeah. Anything so, that affects the mass distribution of the planet affects the speed. At which it rotates on its axis. Uh huh. So, uh, meters. It's, it's all about it's all about the conservation of angular momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And so, when when the mass distribution of Earth changes, the like angular momentum has to be the same, right? Because we know angular momentum is conserved, and that means that the Earth will change its speed of rotation. I'm gonna go so out. Things on... like things like tidal effects, uh, post-glacial rebound, uh, seismic effects. So like earthquake, like earthquakes and tsunamis. Like the Indian Earth. Remember the Indian Ocean earthquake 
and tsunami in 2004. Yeah. That had measurable effects on the on the speed of Earth's axial rotation. Mm. Continental drift is a is a long term is a long term has a long term effects on it. A uh, mantle dynamic. So you know, like how there's like the the low shear provinces, the low shear velocity provinces. Yeah, yeah, things like that because they have they cause like differences in density in yeah. parts of the mantle. Right. I'm still surprised at that 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 you'd think that this layer of uh, way below the earth that's, you know, it's, even if it's not, you know, super, super fluid, um, it's at least a little bit squishy that after spinning so many times, it hasn't evened out at all. And there's still big clumps of higher density or lower density material. Um, that, that just may... because, just because it's plastic doesn't mean it's going to act uh, like a liquid, right? That, so it's not that surprising to me when you consider that, the mantle, the mantle isn't isn't liquid. Yeah, well, right. It acts, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah, it's plastic. Not not plastic like like what toys are made of, like that sort like of plastic. Hydrocarbons. But, it's plastic in the no, uh, mechanic sense. Like, yes, it's plastic in the mechanic sense, in not the, in the hydrocarbon sense. In the continuum mechanic sense, it is pl a plastic. <laughs> and so thing, and so all this like affects the Earth rotation. And it causes uh, fluctuations in the day of the length, or the length of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and so here, so the thing is, coordinated universal time, UTC, is, essen is essentially taking, taking like SI seconds, which is based on number, the number of uh, uh, cesium-133 transitions, right? Mm-hmm. Against... Si keeping pace, keeping pace with sidereal time using SI seconds, and that's why we have leap seconds, because whenever whenever they get more than zero point nine seconds apart, then we either need to add or remove a second yep. to make sure that to make sure that things are essentially at the same time every day. And there's a protocol. But the problem, for that. of course, is that we all, like all the computers and everything, use UTC to track time, which, as we as we see, is not is not fixed at all, right? Because it has to be able to it has to be able to juggle to keep things in pace when we should be using uh, UT1 or TAI. Which nope. are other which are other universal time standards? Uh, you know, I think people used to wind up their pocket watches, and they kind of knew what time of day it was by looking up at the sky. And uh, it's all been uh, and more when you're not bothered, since then. when you're but not using happier? computers, when you're not using computers, that's just fine. Well, even with computers, but yeah. What though. I what I say, what I think is, what I think is, is we should be using. Sorry, I shouldn't have said UT1 because UTC is about keep is about keeping things more or less in sync between international atomic time TAI and UT1. So the U the leap seconds are added to make sure that UTC is within 0 0.9 seconds of UT1, which is the one that's based on uh, based on solar time at 0 degrees longitude. Conceptually, at least, but really, by determining the positions of quasars. 
So the thing with international atomic time and and uh, and GPS time are they're actually they're actually like a fixed there's actually a fixed difference between them of a number of seconds, but they both they both operate on on the atomic standard of the second, which is if I'm not if I'm recalling correctly something like nine and a half million uh, uh, phase transitions of casium one thirty three. I should I should have actually noted down the actual value. Yeah. My so here's my take on all this stuff. Time can be as complicated as you want it to be and if it's not required for you to have millisecond accuracy for timekeeping. And some applications there are. Um some applications that millisecond ac- you actually need better than that because maybe what you're trying to do is not make a um a measurement of duration but you're trying to make a measurement of frequency is is a big one where to know how it many cycles even... per second, you really do need an atomic clock. And so there's a lot of times where what you'll end up doing is, you know, we'll, well, we'll just take GPS time uh, and we'll say that's our best standard. Or you say, oh, I've got one frequency standard in my, uh, maybe in my bag, and I'm just going to say that's real time, and I can, I, I can tie everything to it. And, you know, it... Okay, there, there are actually plenty of things where... You need where you need to actually take this into account, and not doing so can screw things up. It's not just a matter of measuring things, but this this has like implications with uh, ju- just in time shipping and in and other other things where they need to be able to track like the actual the actual second. So in those cases where it's like. 235950 or 2359.60, right, actually matters. Mm-hmm. And when there is no 2359.59, that also matters. Because there's a leap second is what you're saying. So the, the system yeah. has to be able to handle that. Yes. And because we're and if we used if we used atomic time, Right, whether whether as TAI or as GPS time, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't need to deal with that. If we simply used UTC as a way of displaying time instead of how we're actually calculating time, right? Mm-hmm. Then a lot of the a lot of this, it, a lot of these issues wouldn't be issues in the first place. They wouldn't even come up. Anyway, I've got the definition in front of me now for the second. So the second is defined as being equal to the time duration of nine billion one hundred ninety-two million six hundred thirty-one thousand seven hundred seventy periods of the radiation corresponding to the transition between the two hyperfine levels of the fundamental unperturbed ground state of the casium one thirty-three atom. Yes, C- casium or cesium? I always heard it was cesium. I say casium because. <laughs> Because I understand that C as a hard C. Ah, uh, yeah. What about iodine or iodine? I always liked iodine. Iodine. Iodine, yeah. I do say aluminium, though. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, the British way. And spell it the British way, too. Yeah. So, practically, most people use GPS time because they set their clocks with their phone. and uh, Or... Or they're using some server that's that's ultimately linked to uh, to GPS time, and even for frequency, it pe- the the cheapest frequency uh, 
uh, standard that you can get is just the GPS signal that's everywhere anyway well, that you can get for ten dollars. You yeah. get that with you get that with cell phones, sure, but with devices that aren't co aren't connected to the cell network or don't have GPS hardware built in, you're more or less stuck with NTP, which uses UTC and which does not handle things gracefully at all. I don't think there is a single there is a single NTP daemon out there that proper that can properly handle what to do when a leap second comes up. Mm. And there's different there's different implementations that do different things. The the time services that Google and Amazon have for their own cloud offerings tend to skew time across the 24-hour period around the leap second so that during that time and the second that the that the virtual machine counts is actually a little bit longer than a real second to to like smooth that out over that period for example uh, others don't do anything at all and will report well or at least try to report a leap second and cause issues either for itself or any consumers of that time server, right? So there's there's all sorts of fuckiness around the leap seconds. And again, if UTC was simply used as a way to to like present time instead of being used to calculate time on the computers, then we wouldn't have this issue. We could just try. We could just track those. Uh, those hyperfine transitions and be done with it. You know, ever since they uh, they moved away from those WWV transmitters, you know, the time uh, radio standards. They're getting... Are you sure? Are you sure they're not still up? From what I hear, uh, WWV and WWVH are both still in operation. They keep threatening to defund it uh, every time they. So last year, the last year that I looked. They had a bunch of items in there where they said, "Yeah, we wanna, we're we're just not gonna put it in the budget." And then there was some, uh, there was some uh, some people complained and whatever. But they keep trying to defund it because they don't want to spend the money on it because you know everyone uses GPS time anyway. But yeah, apparently, oh, well. apparently we still have we still have a uh, a station in Ottawa that that broadcasts time codes. Hmm. Well, you gotta pick it up, get a recording sometime. <laughs> All yeah, right, once I get a shortwave radio. This segment seems to go on and on and on and on forever. Well, that's because we're nerds. It was because it's about time. <laughs> about time we yeah, move on. it's about time we change the topic. It's about time. Uh, what do we got? What do you want to do? Chocolate. Next? Chocolate. Yeah, this was a science topic. This was a throwaway one. Uh, there was a little video that I saw that was kind of interesting, which was a guy who took a... Um, he had this weird idea where he said, wow, I bet I could get a diffraction grating, uh, which is basically a piece of substrate with a bunch of micro um, etchings inside it that are all in a straight line. And uh, its its function is it can, has, uh, you could have like a positive, uh, now I'm, I'm lost on the word, uh, uh, modal, dis it's not modal dispersion, phase dispersion. Um, you can you could use this as part of a laser system, or you could use this as part of you know an optical table. You know, doing experiments with it. And uh, they said, "Hey, we could we could take this and we could uh, basically imprint the same uh, microfine pattern that it has on a on a layer of chocolate 
And so they uh, they mix science and cooking. And uh, this is really dumb. I I didn't get any audio for it because you need to see the uh, the picture there. But it's uh, it was just a stupid thing I saw on YouTube. And so what the the end result is is they pour a tray of chocolate and they have this uh, this diffraction grating, which looks like a overhead transparency. It just looks like a, a transparent uh, piece of plastic. But they were able to impart all of the uh, those uh, those lines on there onto the chocolate, and so the chocolate has this. Uh, this interesting uh, sheen, you know, it has like a rainbow color to it because it's become iridescent. Uh, I think they they called it a uh, a hologram in the video, but that's wrong. It's, it's just yeah. The, the video title is "Chocolate Holograms Are Beautiful." Yeah. No, he just he just has a. It's just iridescent. So it makes the the chocolate look like it's really colorful, like it's um, you know, it it looks like there's a coating of something on it. Like it looks like it's been covered in oil or something like that. But it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the it's structure. Shiny, it's shiny with with rainbows on it by the look of things. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, it's still brown. Yeah, it's still chocolate. I don't know. This that's a tip. Uh, the reason that I I like this was because sometimes it seems like um, I don't know. It seems like something you could do in a bakery to like make a product that would stand out. You know, it's a. Uh, so then it's, it, simple. it's still safe to it's still safe to eat it with that uh, with that stuff in it? There's no stuff on it. The 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 only thing that happened to the chocolate is the chocolate now has tiny little grooves that are, you know, on the order of uh what is it, five hundred nanometers or something like that. Uh, okay, so the chocolate is grooved. It's not it's not there is some sort of no, the, but how do you make grooves that small on on a piece of chocolate? Like, there's got to be something that's put in there to cause those grooves. No, so so here's what they did: is they had a diffraction grating, which is a piece of material that has the positive grooves on it, and they put that on top of the chocolate, and it imparted a negative of that on there. So they had okay. A, so it's like it's like a it's the diffraction grating is like a mold. Then yeah, they used it like a mold. Okay. It's, so they they took they took a diffraction grating out off from, out of their optical lab and they brought it into the kitchen and they put it on some chocolate is what they did. Okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it looks cool too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Some bakers should take care of that. <laughs> or uh, confectionery. What do they call them? It's not Confectionists baker. Confectionists or something. Yeah. Racist is what I call them. Something fancy. <laughs> oh man. Well, what do you think? Uh, get a last uh, last topic, or you want to wrap this shindig up? Oh yeah, well we got we each got a topic to cover I, still. I don't have a topic left. Oh come you, on, you can do okay. the last one. Uh, so going back, I I believe I brought it up in the past. I was trying, I was looking through some shows, seeing if I did or not. I'm pretty sure before I brought up this paper, the surprising creativity of digital evolution. Now I know I've seen the paper before because it was also in my uh, it was also in my Zotero collection of papers and books and monographs and such, and I was certain that I talked about it before on Rare Encounter. I just couldn't find what episode I talked about it in. If I did, but anyway, the idea is digital evolution. So this this is an a this is an AI thing. Okay. That uh, it's it's well the AI the AI thing that led me back to this particular article is actually more of a uh, more of a human interest story really okay 
I'm, li- I'm interested. And the AI wolf that preferred suicide over <laughs> eating sheep. Oh, boy. The AI wolf that pre- preferred suicide. Yes. Now, the, for, now this, this was an AI experiment originally, and... You know how people. You know how people are, right? Yeah, we this... anthropomorphize everything, essentially. So, the optim, the optimization that the AI determined, like based on the rules that was given, was that depending on its starting location, it would, it would limit its loss of points by immediately running into rocks to commit suicide. <laughs> Instead of trying to eat the sheep on the map, huh. right? And so the and so, what does this look like to people? It looks like the the wolf is committing suicide, when really it's just a calculation saying that to get the greatest score value, since it's going to be negative anyways, is to kill yourself quickly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's a uh, it's a, someone wrote a cost function without thinking it through, and they uh, they put it in there. Yeah, essentially, essentially, the cost function uh, did not did not have anything to limit or prevent suicide. Yeah, this is. It reminds me of some of the other stories of this kind of thing happening, where you had a uh, oh, well, we trained a uh, we trained a uh, a model that was going to try and run as fast as it can is what we think we're telling it to do, and so we we have a cost function that says find some structure that has maximum forward velocity and what it actually does is make something that's infinitely tall and has it fall over because <laughs> then the uh, the velocity yeah. in the forward direction is uh, is maximum that way so it would you know it's there's a there's a bunch of these stories some of them are pretty funny like this one's good Here, here's a here's a good one that was actually mentioned in the in the article that I linked 1994 experiment on evolution of organisms saw one AI species figuring out that instead of having to run around its AI world to hunt for food and search for procreation mates, the optimum solution was to stay in one spot, mate with each other, fight with each other, kill each other, and eat each other when they die. <laughs> this species was quite aptly called indolent cannibals by the researchers. <laughs> indolent cannibals, huh? Here's, a, here's another one. Uh, experiment tried using AI to optimize braking pressure applied to the braking cable on an aircraft carrier's landing pad when a plane, when a plane hooked during landing. Mm-hmm. And the AI figured that if it applied a large enough force, it would, it would cause an overflow and register zero force instead. <laughs> so, yeah. so really, it, it determined that it could do perfect landings by causing what would actually be a disaster. Yes. Right? Probably probably kill the pilot, do a lot of damage to the deck of the aircraft carrier. Yeah. But here here's where here's where it goes from like your usual AI uh, model training uh, foibles to human interest story. So this 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 whole thing with the suicide wolves was in Japan, and a lot of a lot of like young Chinese workers saw this as as a perfect metaphor for for their lives, where where it's like they're in a they have a bad starting point, and it might just be better to give it and to give it all up and just take it easy, like just lie flat instead of 
bothering with their whole 996 work thing. And you know what that is, right? 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. Yeah. You can't right? do this to, to me. You can't do this to, to me. To I'm a wolf race. on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like, it seems, it seems to them like this, this is more and more difficult to do. Trying to do this and still like, end up with a, end up with a happy life, uh, like pay raises, fi finding a good mate and stuff. And this grind is just preventing that from happening. Right? So, so it's like, I don't know, like maybe China's about to hit its own Hikikimori craze. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it turned it turned out that event eventually, eventually with some with some tuning, they did refine the they did refine the training, and increase the number of iterations for the training. And finally, the wolves only occasionally committed suicide, but mo but mostly they would actually go and and catch all the sheep within half a minute. So was this a uh, simulation? commissioned by the Chinese government? I'm just asking. I don't know. I don't know if it was or not, but... They're trying to get a new strategy, is what I'm saying. But, like, this this started off, like, uh, one of the experimenters was talking with a bunch of students, I guess, and and the story, the story just ended up going viral. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't understand Chinese, so I can't, I can't watch the video about all this from the, from the creator. But this paper, this paper uh, on Arxiv, like the, with all sorts of anecdotes from evolutionary computation and artificial intelligence, like this is a pretty interesting and fun read. Mm -hmm. So I, I've put it in the chat room. It's going to be in the show notes. Thirty pages. Yep. Routine, creative surprise, and digital evolution. Oh, let's get pictures. Oh, well, of course. That's cool. What good paper doesn't? Well. Say we call it a night from here. Yeah, I, we covered quite a bit. Quite a number of things today. Vibrating robots. Yeah. Evolved behavior is shown in frames. There's only yeah. so much time to do it all in. Yeah. Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Catch you later. Adios. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't